You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. Some recent reports said that the U.S. government was exploring a way to use artificial intelligence to defend the country, somehow use it at the Pentagon. Well, let me ask somebody that knows software and is also a veteran. Gordon Lawson is a graduate of the Air Force Command and Staff College in the Army Airborne School, also CEO of Conceal. That's a company that is leading the fight to protect organizations from cyber threats. Gordon, thank you for joining us today. Do you trust artificial intelligence to protect the nation? Well, I think it's uh, it's one tool amongst many tools that uh, we can use to uh, to get more effective with national security. But there's there's definitely dangers there, and it has to be used hmm. wisely. One of those dangers would be for Skynet to go become self aware and then kill us all, kill all the carbon units. <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot of hyperbole around that. Uh, we, you know, I, I think that there's. Let's talk about maybe some some, some good applications and some bad applications, Sergio, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, I think one one of the one of the things that's very interesting right now, and we're seeing it play out in Ukraine, is the use of drones. And so you think about this concept of. Drones are much less expensive than uh, normal manned aerial, aerial you know, air, aircraft. Um, so if you put thousands of drones up in the air, whether this is uh, us doing it as the United States or an enemy, and those, those, uh, that network being able to use AI to better collaborate and perhaps those drones are armed okay. and to be able to inflict damage, um, that's a really, I think, effective way that would be a combat multiplier for us. Right. Uh, a, a negative use of AI would, would be uh, using it for uh, to invade on people's privacy, to have facial recognition, not at the scales we have now, but think about that at a, a much larger scale where you're able to instantaneously see tens or hundreds of millions of people and be able to intrude on their on their day to day life. So, yeah. so, so it has to be used responsibly, and I'm glad the government is kind of stepping up and and trying to keep up with industry on this. And as uh, as I always comment to friends, can you imagine what this technology will be like? in 10 years. Air Force veteran Gordon Lawson and president of Conceal, a company that works to protect folks from from cyber threats, my guest. Do you think that in our lifetime, Gordon, we will see the marriage of robot technology, which is really interesting, right? We got these robot dogs that are kind of creepy looking, you know, doing police patrols and and other robots. And but it seems robotics seems to be advancing Rather quick, marry that with AI. Could we send some robot soldiers to the field and save humans? Uh, absolutely. I, I don't think that that's not that's not too far away at all. And I think what we're seeing is that the 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 very uh, interesting thing with AI is that it gets smarter through these large language models the longer it's around. So it's able to think more and more like a human and be able to uh, you know make very conscious decisions and 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 just evolve as the, as the technology gets better. I do think uh, one area that's very interesting that's, that is a little bit of danger is, have you heard of a, a, what a hallucination is? No. In, no. in AI? Not in so, AI. So you, yeah. yeah right. I know hallucinations, <laughs> you know, not personally, as far as mushrooms or other stuff like that, I don't, but on, on software, how does that happen? <laughs> this is a very, very interesting concept. So if you put, ask ChatGBT a question, what you usually get is probably 90, 95% correct answers. So it's, you know, scanning all of the information it has that it's, uh, within its compute network. Um, but then there's like five to 10% that is just way off. And I'll, I'll give you an example. If you put my name in, it gives you the wrong college I went to and the wrong major that I had because it's extrapolating or interpolating uh, based on what I'm doing now. And if it can't find information, it makes things up. So 
there's a danger there. And you think about disinformation or you, you merge a hallucination with a, uh, a video that's been doctored. Um, and now I think you have real serious national security implications because it's incorrect information okay. with perhaps a computer-generated picture that's false. I see. Or, or maybe, just maybe, maybe it's tapping into the multiverse and giving you an explanation of who you are. Somewhere out there in, you know, Galaxy 1 million out there, out there somewhere. Hey, uh, you mentioned right. how artificial intelligence might be used for nefarious purposes, but what you just told me sounds to me like it's a branch of where the software might go nuts and might hurt us. Do, do you see it hurting us in any way, by, all by itself, not from the inputs or people using it, you know, for example, uh, invading privacy and, and going too far with that. You, know, you get the police state, the big brother state, something like what really with some muscle to right. it. But do you see it, the software itself, learning to the point where it does go nuts, like, like I said at the beginning, Skynet? I, I think that we are very good about keeping controls on these on these things. Even the way that ChatGPT and Bard and the other systems are used now, there there are human beings that are um, proctoring the technology to make sure that it is uh, accurate information. Um, and I guess that I you know I just don't have the same kind of doomsday fears in terms of the 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 technology taking over or trying to destroy the world. I have more fears about bad human beings perhaps using it. Uh, to make their, you know, weapon systems smarter yeah. or to inflict damage on the United States on critical infrastructure or on cyber attacks. They've made cyber attacks much more sophisticated. So I think that's the way that we need to look at it. And we need to use AI like we do at our company mm -hmm. uh, to make the defenses against those sorts of attacks more sophisticated and able to, uh, to, to withstand and become more resilient. Air Force veteran Gordon Lawson, also CEO of Conceal, a company working to protect folks from cyber threats and malicious web-based activity. What you just said, Gordon, begs the question, who's in the lead when it comes to AI? Is it safe to say that America is and we can stay there? Or does China, I don't know, Iran, North Korea, other geeks, nerds out there, do they pose a threat to us? Um, China is definitely investing at a very heavy clip, not just in AI, but there's a related field with quantum computing where basically you can merge uh, quantum computing and AI and break all current encryption. Uh, China, China is doing some incredible work there that I think is scary and will have effects on our national security. But this is um, kind of going back to, to why it's so important for the U.S. government to partner extensively with industry here. You know, industry is going to move quicker. The government needs to be on top of that, and we need to continue to invest in the both public and private sector into this technology to, to, to keep a competitive well, advantage up. Well, that's kind of scary because, tell you what, that umbilical cord between industry, Chinese Communist Party owned, and um, the actual party, uh, that's a lot tighter in China than it is here. Um, here we, we bid to the lowest, uh, you know, we provide the product to the lowest bidder. <laughs> that type of thing. Over there, Chinese, they own all their industry, all their software companies, that's, everything. That's kind of scary to <laughs> contemplate. For sure. That last thought. That's, 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 that's for a whole other segment, but you're absolutely right. It is very scary. They, they have uh, no restrictions, and they can pour tons of money into these technologies oh. with uh, unabated. All right. Well, on that happy note, we'll say goodbye, and thank you for a very enlightening conversation, Gordon. We'll call you back. He is with a company called Conceal, and he's an and he's an Air Force veteran. Thank you, Gordon. Gordon Lawson, my guest. This is the Sergio Show. When I read this first sentence in this news write-up, man, I almost hit the floor. Check this out. New analysis from 
Some group called Families Against Fentanyl. Yeah, I think everybody's against fentanyl, right? Families Against Fentanyl found that fentanyl deaths among children between the ages of 5 and 14 nearly quadrupled between 2019 and 2021. She's the author of a new book that deals with this topic, The Parents' Battle Plan, Warfare Strategies to Win Back Your Prodigal. Lane Lawson, Kraft Lane, thank you for your time today. Where in our country are five-year-olds dying from fentanyl and why, Lane? Yes, it's all over. And as you're aware of there in Texas, you know, uh, our borders are out of control and fixing to be even more so. Uh, what is happening is that we have more fentanyl in our country that could kill, they say, um, every American times five. So that is where it started, is, is we have now have more drugs in our country than we've ever had before. It's frightening. There was another study. It, it found that in recent years, opiates, these painkillers, yes, fentanyl, leading cause of deaths among kids five years old and younger. This has to be an exposure thing, right, where the kids accidentally grab it and they stick it in their mouth or touch the powder or something. That's how it's happening, right? Absolutely. So what, it, what the study also shows is that over half of these are happening at home. So twofold, the parents are either bringing this in the home uneducated, not knowing that if they leave it with the top open or if they leave a dropped pill on the floor, that their kid can pick this up and die. You know, it, it, we, we have got to, the, the core of all of this today, the urgent message is we've got to educate ourselves and we've got to communicate and talk about it. Yeah, you're talking, you're trying to reach a population that's just not paying attention. They're lost. Lord help and these poor souls. They are lost. They're poisoning themselves. And they're, you know, they're running as fast as they can to an early grave if they're addicted to these painkillers and, and they're exposed to all this fentanyl. But let me, let's talk about the other uh, reverse, the other side of the family, about teens, because I know that's what your book deals with. What if... You know, the nightmare scenario, um, preteen or teen is exposed to some of these painkillers and becomes addicted to this crap. I mean, how, how do you deal like that? I mean, what's, what's step one for parents that are in that nightmare scenario? Well, the step one is know that you're not alone. <laughs> this is an epidemic. So I, I want you to know that, you know, our children, I go back to technology. Listen, our kids are one click away from that drug deal, one click away from that dirty picture coming in. Our kids are under a full assault through technology. And then now, like I said, we've got all these drugs just everywhere. So, you know, back in the day, if you were at a party, uh, maybe it was a cigarette that was taboo or, or, or a shot of tequila. Now it's good kids, good kids that, you know, are being um, a lot of peer pressure saying, hey, everybody else is going to take this pill. And the frightening thing is 10 kids can take a pill and only one of them dies because we don't know which ones have that just a grain of sand amount that will kill them. Yeah. So parents, listen, I, I think what I would tell a parent today Today, I'm talking about today because this is only going to get worse with our borders becoming out of control in just a matter of hours in this week. Uh, educate yourself. Number two, open up the conversation and just say to your kids, listen, I know for certain there's going to be a point in time that you're going to be offered a pill. 
And I just want you to know, I love you, and I cannot let you get out of this house today without letting you know that that one pill can kill you, and I can't assure you which one it is. I'm going to take it a step beyond that. My guest is author of The Parents' Battle Plan, Warfare Strategies to Win Back Your Prodigal. Obviously, we're talking about drug use and abuse among teenagers. Lane Lawson Craft is my guest. I have a 15-year-old, and I've I've told him, and I'm trying to get through to my 10-year-old. My 10-year-old's still very innocent. He doesn't understand all this stuff. So I just tell him, no, no, no. Look, my message to them, especially my 15-year-old, and I'd like to think he has a good head on his shoulders, but I still tell him, um, they give you anything to eat, a cookie, uh, a candy, a drink. No, never, ever drink anything given to you by anyone in a bag, that's that's the standing rule for me. At school, never. He, he cannot eat except anything unless the teacher gives him a bag of chips or a bag of cookies, unless it's store-bought and store-sealed. Uh, yeah, that's fine. But anything that came from home, anything with, you know, in, in saran wrap, uh, any candy, any drink, uh, the standing order is no because you never know what is in there. It could be by accident, and it could be the last thing that you eat. That That's, that's how bad this fentanyl stuff's really scared me where uh, it really is yeah. and, and and that is such a powerful um education for your child i'm i'm 100 high-fiving you over here because you know back in the day it used to be to our girls you know don't take a drink from anybody yeah. you know yeah. that was when the date rape drug so you are equipping your child for for this disaster you know to avoid it and again it's just a matter of parents being intentional and I like to challenge them. I know these are yucky subjects. You know, we don't want to have to talk to our kids about this because it, it breaks our heart that we are at a stage that we can't let our kids eat anything that a kid offers them. Yep. And it could be a brownie, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, brownies used to be <laughs> used to be funny. Uh, there was some a yes. wack, wacky tobacco in there at one time. Today yes. it's, it's, it's worse. It's it's very dangerous these days. But that's, that's the is. reality. It is. Where do we find your book, Lane? Anywhere. Anywhere books are sold. And listen, you can read the first chapter for free at LaneLawsonCraft.com. It'll help you guide. I've been there with three teenagers. And uh, listen, it it, it gives you great applications, real-life things you can do starting today. LaneLawsonCraft.com. And Lane is spelled L-A-I-N-E. Her book, The Parents' Battle Plan, Warfare Strategies to Win Win Back Your Prodigal. Thank you, Lane. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Here in South Texas, we're on the front lines of an immigration fiasco, and we're expecting Lord knows how many thousands of people crossing the border, southwest border, over the next several days. 
from Sentinel Solutions, former Homeland Security Department advisor, is Charles Marino. Welcome back, John. Appreciate your time today. Just want to get your quick hey, thoughts good, on. Good to be back. Yeah, uh, you man, you expecting that tsunami to take place over the next um, several days and maybe continue after that because there's nothing stopping the flow of humanity right now uh, because of Title Forty Two coming to an end. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely expect that to happen. Um, I, we're so overtaxed. Uh, our entire immigration system is so exploited and has been allowed to be exploited under this administration. Processing centers are flowing over, and I think we're going to see a mass release uh, into the United States uh, coordinated by the Department of Homeland Security the very department that was created uh, in part to cre- to protect our borders and enforce our immigration laws. So this is this is truly devastating. It's an exercise, an absolute futility sometimes to try to understand the leftist point of view. When Alejandro Mayorkas doing the absolute Menorcas that he can to secure the border, when that dude says that the border is secure. Over and over again. The White House press, chief, same thing. Bergs, border secure, border secure. How the hell did they say Where are they coming from? Do you have any clue where these people are coming from when they say the border is secure? What the hell are they talking about? No, they have no strategy. And let's not forget also, Sergio, that he's gone before Congress many times uh, and stated that the administration has a plan, they're executing on the plan, and that the plan is working. Let's, rem- let's look at their plan from the very start to strip away Remain in Mexico, not because it wasn't working, but because it was the idea of the Trump administration. They put politics over national security. They stripped away Remain in Mexico with no other plans or policies in place to replace that. They then relied totally on Title 42, which was always intended to be a temporary add-on specific to the pandemic. And they ignored in its entirety the enforcement authorities that come under Title VIII. Title VIII is where all of our immigration and border enforcement laws sit. It's what gives CBP and Immigration and Customs Enforcement their statutory authorities to enforce the immigration and border laws of this country. If you look at the administration's budget, it clearly outlines where their priorities are. And their priorities are not with enforcement, not with deterrence, but with processing illegal migrants into the country. All the time using the excuse, well, we want folks to come into this country, asylum seekers to access this country you know, with dignity, and we, we want to be open and protect them. And all. That. And, and because you have perhaps a small, very small batch of individuals that might be you know, victims of sexual trafficking or child sex trafficking or maybe they're running from political or religious persecution it's a very very small number of people just you just blow the door wide open uh, exploiting the soft-hearted in some cases bleeding heart nature of some individuals in this country i i do not see uh, any relief inside obviously we have the wrong administration so obviously we got uh, probably another year and a half plus of this uh, fiasco but even so now that the population's here man you got like two million people in line for immigration court hearings that i don't know if any of these people show up for that another two three million more on top of that over the next year and a half i just i don't see how you deport 
that many. We don't have the resources at, at, at ICE, much less the immigration courts. Yeah. Um, we're losing our country. That's, 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 that's the way I see it. Well, we're losing our country. We're losing, and and I would argue, have already lost our national security and created a humanitarian crisis in the process uh, that rates up there with third world countries. But real quick, I'll tell you this. You've got this big false narrative from the administration that you can't have a secure border unless you have immigration reform. Entirely false. You need to have operational control of the border before you even attempt to have that type of dialogue. The other thing here is this administration always said their policies were going to be more humane than the previous administration. And what we've seen here is that when you strip away all structure uh, of laws, of enforcement at our southwest border, uh, it actually leads to a bigger crisis, and I would argue has endangered migrants like never oh, before absolutely. and absolutely. empowered the cartels like yeah. never before. Yeah. Um, and the cartels, I am for designating them because of how powerful they came, designating them as terrorist groups. They are no longer just transnational criminal organizations. We need to expand our operations against them. Mexico can either be on board with that or not, and we need to take action. And for our Border Patrol family tuning in out there somewhere, we send you a big hug. Thank you so much for staying in the fight, whatever. We sure do. Whatever fight yeah, you're in right absolutely. now. Absolutely. Thank you, Charles. Appreciate your time. Former Homeland Security Department advisor, Charles Marino. This is The Sergio Show. your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. From Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR, F-A-I-R, every year. And you you listen long enough to talk radio, you're familiar with their annual Radio Row get-together where they prep, you know, put these politicians, policymakers, put their feet to the fire up in D.C. And we've been honored to participate for a few years now and go up to Washington, just, you know, bellyache about the immigration mess that we're in. Because that's all we can do. Just bellyache. Ira Melman is media director for FAIR, Federation for American Immigration Reform. Ira, welcome to the program. I understand you are in West Texas, El Paso. How are things like in El Paso this morning? I I suspect they're much like they are over in your part of Texas and all along the border. Uh, It is chaotic, you know, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we have been out and about in El Paso and some of the surrounding areas. Uh, you, you know, you go to downtown El Paso, uh, which is right on the Rio Grande uh, River there. Uh, the, the downtown area is overrun. There is a church there that is serving as a staging area. Uh, you have just masses of people camped out on the streets. Mm. Uh, you have litter everywhere, uh, and you have more people coming every day. Uh, we were out along the border. 
uh, not only is the Biden administration not enforcing our laws, uh, they are actively participating in opening them up. Uh, we saw on several occasions uh, at some of these gates in the wall uh, that Border Patrol officers would simply open the gates, allow people to come into the United States. They'd load them on buses, take them uh, to the uh, CPB building where they process them, uh, and they're released out onto the streets awaiting transportation to where wherever it is they're going in the country. Yeah. So we have a situation here where the federal government is actually facilitating this. Local communities like El Paso, but even uh, communities thousands of miles away from the border are feeling the impact. The bus ticket or the plane ticket that these folks are getting to come into the interior, that's still mostly provided by NGOs, right? Those non-government organizations, the charities that are on the ground, right? They're, those are the folks that are mostly paying for this? Or, is, or are they showing up with a water cash to buy a, a bus ticket? Well, you know, the NGOs are paying for it, but the federal government is financing the NGOs. Yes. They are working yes. with the NGOs because they don't have the resources themselves to deal with all these people. So it, it is much of it is coming out of our pockets just indirectly. It's being funneled through these NGOs. Yes, but you see these people walking around. After they've been processed, they're given uh, an envelope with their notice to appear in court to you know have a hearing on their case, which in many cases will not be until the 2030s. Uh, so they'll be here for years before they ever see the inside of a courtroom. If at all. Uh, they've got their tickets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're going around the country. Uh, I mentioned the Sacred Heart Church where uh, sort of the staging ground. Uh, half a block away is a bus depot where you see these buses pulling up, people getting on the buses uh, to various destinations around the country. Uh, and they're gone. And we're probably never going to see them again. Uh, and even if they get turned down for their asylum claim in 2030, chances are they're not going to leave in any bit. You know, Alejandro Mayorkas says they're being put into deportation proceedings, which is a joke. Right. Uh, if you're here until 2030 before you ever get a day in court, you are not going to be deported. Ira Millman, Federation American Immigration Reform in El Paso. He and friends have been on the ground there for a while, taking a look at the mess, the Biden border mess. You know, a few days back, El Paso, uh, there in West Texas, uh, county leadership, city leadership, I think they contracted with a, a charter bus service to get folks out of town as quickly as possible, uh, kind of complimenting what Governor Greg Abbott has been doing as well. Do you see uh, or the, well, the buses that you're referring to? Are, is that like the charter system, the contract that El Paso set up, or is that – the governor's buses, the charter buses, we, uh, what buses are we talking about that are moving and shifting people out of town? Yeah, these are definitely charter buses. Uh, yeah. With regard to who is chartering them, it's hard to know. Right. Uh, we actually tried to go into this little bus station, uh, and they told us to get out. So they, they don't who told want you to get to out? Really who told you to get out? The city, the, the police, cops, or what? I, I, I am not sure who these people were. Uh, but, you know, we went in, we had a camera crew, they told us to get out, they didn't want anybody filming there. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to get into an argument with them, but um, clearly they didn't want a whole lot of publicity about this. So, you know, whether it is the state, the city, or one of the NGOs that are chartering these buses, I, I don't know for certain, but I can tell you that these buses are, you know, pulling up uh, empty and pulling out loaded. Ira Melman with... Federation for American Immigration Reform. What is your opinion of the Texas response? Or, as some friends, very frustrated. I had a, uh, a physician, a doctor friend, uh, other friends who checked in, texting me, folks emailing as well. 
reaching out and saying, Serge, where's Governor Greg Abbott? How come he's not rounding these folks up and throwing them back? He, he claimed that he invoked this invasion clause a few days back. Where is Texas? Why is Governor Abbott not doing his job picking up for where the government is leaving off? We need more than just charter buses. Ira, what is your opinion of the Texas response right now in this emergency situation we have? You know, I think Texas is doing as good a job as they can do, given the situation they've been handed by the Biden administration. Uh, look, I mean, enforcing the border is a federal responsibility. Uh, Texas can deal with the situation once people come in. Uh, you know, we've seen that DPS has put up barbed wire fencing in places along the border uh, that has served as a deterrent. But it, it's a long border, uh, and there are many places where people can come across. Uh, you know, there are laws that have been uh, implemented in Texas that allow uh, for people to be charged with trespassing. But look, I mean, the volume is so great. There's 10,000 people a night coming across that border, not per night, a, a day coming across that border illegally. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's about to you know, get a whole lot worse. They think it could double after Title 42 goes away this evening. So, you know, if Texas doesn't have the resources to deal with that many people, just as other uh, communities don't have. Uh, you know, you see in New York City, Eric Adams is just putting people on the street. They got no place to put them there. Uh, so, Governor Abbott and the state of Texas have been dealt a, a really bad hand by the federal government. Okay, they're trying to do the best they can, but until the the federal government steps up, they're going to be stuck. Do you agree with people who say that Governor Abbott should do more than the the guard and any state authority and DPS? At one time, I recall, we had a line of DPS SUVs that were on the river out of Del Rio, like a wall of SUVs. I mean, we're in a situation now where at Brownsville, at the little funnel point where they're coming across that new Caliche Road, that the city of all entities, they, they provide that safely moving. They move the, the fence out of the way, put that little Caliche on there to make it easier for people to you know, swim across the river and come up. No. There's some who say, Texas, Governor Abbott, uh, you already invoked the invasion clause. We'll do something about it. Block, put some DPS agents, some SUVs there at the uh, those funnel points, Laredo, El Paso, Brownsville, lock arms, and tell folks, go back. No, you need to cross through the international ports of entry, the bridges. Let the bridges handle the, uh, the stress of traffic right now. Do you agree with folks who are frustrated and say that Texas, that's, that's what Texas should be doing right now? Well, you know, I can certainly understand their frustration, and I've witnessed the fact that they have the Dex the Texas patrol uh, cars right there at right. these border gates that they're opening up. Uh, but you know, again, they have to yield to the federal government. Uh, it is the border patrol's responsibility. It's the border patrol that's opening up the gates. You, you know, uh, short of you know directly confronting the federal government. I don't know what else they can do except observe uh, and try to deal with what's going on after the people are processed and then released. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Texas has been put, I, I, you know, in any situation, there's always more that can be done. But, you know, given the fact that they are just dealt, they've been dealt this horrible situation to deal with, uh, it's hard to fault uh, anybody for not being able to uh, do the impossible. Uh, no matter how much they do, they cannot keep up with the damage that the Biden administration is inflicting. Yeah. Ira Melman, Federation American Immigration Reform. How much longer are you going to stay in El Paso? Are you going wait to wait to see what happens 
after midnight tonight. Stick around tomorrow. Following day, what, what's the plan? Yeah, I, I will still be here through the rest of the day, leaving tomorrow. But um, you know, expect to to be out and about, seeing what happens um, when the clock strikes. I guess midnight on the East Coast, it'll be two hours earlier here. So. Uh, they'll get a little bit of a head start out here. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. We're we're running all this on Eastern Standard Time. So, yeah, 11 o'clock. That's correct, yeah. yeah. 11 o'clock hour time, Brownsville. 10 o'clock mountain time, where you guys are at tonight. See if if these folks rush the border. Hmm. All right. Ira, thank you. Be safe out there, brother. I appreciate you checking in. Hey, we're still on schedule for, what, a September uh, powwow up in Washington to, again, sit around and bellyache about the Biden border mess again? Huh? We, 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 will, we will keep everybody posted about that. All right, man. Thanks for checking in. Okay. Be safe out there. With the Federation for American Immigration Reform, it's, uh, he's the media director, Ira Millman. This is the Sergio Show. Border Patrol, super busy right now. They have been for many days, many, many days. I think past two, three weeks, super busy. From Brownsville to Laredo, El Paso, everybody getting their butts kicked. We got thousands of illegals crossing on a daily basis. Yesterday, I think it was like 10,000 people crossed illegally, processed by by Border Patrol. Don Bramer is a former naval intelligence officer and worked for the Bush administration. Was that Daddy Bush or Junior, Don? It was Daddy Bush. It was Daddy Bush. Couldn't, couldn't have been more proud. All right. You, you know what is of real concern that it's not getting much traffic right now. We're in the news, top and bottom of the hour, and Title 42 is gone, and we have thousands of people that are crossing the border. They have been for a while now. I think that the the reason we didn't see a rush at the border, swimming the river at 11 p.m. Central last night, 12 p.m. Eastern last night, was the fact that many of these thousands of individuals who had staged on the Mexican side had already crossed over many, many days. But as they cross and keep Border Patrol busy, really no one's talking about the gotaways, the individuals that watch from a distance, Border Patrol busy processing and rounding up people that cross the border illegally, but it's the gotaways, the ones who don't want to be caught for whatever reason, and that's a real concern. I wish a lot more noise were made of that because our country's in trouble. Lord knows who is crossing that has nefarious intent, want to hurt they want to hurt our country, not only with drugs and, you know, all these, the fentanyl traffickers, but I'm talking about potential terrorists, all those people, the gotaways. That's not getting enough attention right now. No, and, and it's not. And you, you bring up an extremely valid point. You know, they talk about the, the ones that are capturing, but the ones that are the gotaways, if you call it, they're the ones who probably in life that aren't, aren't from Central America, aren't from South America. They're from other places across the globe that are using this porous border as an opportunity to come into this country and do harm. And, you know, we've already seen cases of people with uh, improvised explosive devices that have been caught. So what it's not getting is what should scare us all. And, you know, God bless you guys in Texas because you're, you know, what they call a border state. But right now Biden's turned this entire country into a border state. And, it's it's sad to see what's coming into this country and putting us all at work. This is this is not a homeland security risk. This is becoming a national security risk. And the flow, I can only imagine the flow of fentanyl and the lethal drugs is is probably reaching record numbers right now because folks at Border Patrol are so distracted with um, 
these masses of humanity crossing at the moment. And, and like Arizona, I know Arizona's busy. Um, New Mexico, California, I, I know they're busy right now, but they're not getting the attention. I, I think that these drug runners and anybody else with nefarious intent, like potential Islamic terrorists, anybody else, they know that they know where the holes are to get in because Border Patrol is, is busy. Border Patrol, I mean, Border Patrol is overwhelmed. And, and even with sending the National Guard down there, it's more than they can handle. And uh, when I left the Navy, I was part, I joined the National Guard, so I, I've seen firsthand what, what this does. And it is, I mean, it's it's more than, than humanly possible because, you know, we follow the, the rule of law. Well, people with, uh, as you say, nefarious intent, they don't follow follow the rule of law. So we're we're stuck in a situation where we can't even defend ourselves. And and I and I and we have con, you know not even convicted, but we have felons and criminals coming into this country. Yeah, that's another one. And yeah. and nothing is safe right now because you just you just don't know. And and we're in a situation where you, you you're a criminal for protecting yourself from criminals. Don Bramer is my guest. He's a former naval intelligence officer. Worked for George Bush, Daddy Bush, many years ago. Daddy Bush. Yeah, Daddy Bush. Look, I, I have commented that I wish Texas would do more because the border, it is open, dis, despite what Alex Mallorca says. Uh, he's just lying. It is open. I mean, just, you, who are you going to believe, your eyes or what this guy is saying? And right. the federal government has failed. The, the Biden administration has failed to secure the border. And I was commenting yesterday, uh, I hate to be critical of a of a a friend, Greg Abbott, and I know he released that letter days ago and said, yeah, I've made that declaration that, you know, that the, the federal government has failed us. And I've, you know, I said, we're being invaded. He's, he signed a strongly worded letter and he's sending more elite units to the border to try to repel him and, and push back. But I think, I think Texas needs to stand up and say, Washington failed us. We will secure the border. We will lock arms. Thousands of troops and DPS, we will lock arms at the river at all these points. More than just razor wire, Constantino wire. We will push back. We'll send them out. We'll put boats on the river if we have to. We will secure the border because Washington, because Biden has failed us, period. And the lawmakers have never fixed this whole asylum mess. I wish, how I wish he had the courage. To do something, no, like and, and, I want that fight. I want that fight. That's the only way to wake up America. I don't think Middle America uh, gets this. They they don't, and but they're going to get it because what Texas is experiencing now, I think the rest of the country will soon experience. And because these people are going to go somewhere, they're not going to stay in Texas. They're yeah, going to they're right. going to move north. They're going to move west. And you know, even here in in Washington, um, you can't go to the grocery or to home depot or lowe's and not get just plummeted by you know there's probably 150 people in the parking lot just like as soon as you get out of your car um and it's about to get worse and we we don't know what's coming and we don't know who's coming into our country you wouldn't let these people in your backyard so why would you let them in your country yes sir so you're still getting those buses from texas those greg abbott charter buses going to washington dc we still are and you know God love him. Keep sending them because that's you know maybe that's the only thing that'll wake up Kamala and Joe. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Kamala uh, being so-called borders are another MIA in this whole thing. And, yeah, whatever. 
<laughs> whatever title she has this week. <laughs> All right, Don. Well, you be safe out there, and we'll call you again. Thank you, Don. You too, my friend. Yeah, take care. That's God bless Don Braver joining us. Don Braver joining us from Washington. This is the Sergio Show. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news. On News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Chief legal correspondent and host of Living the Bream. I love that name. It's the anchor of Fox News, Sunday. Shannon Bream from Fox News has a new book, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Welcome to KURV, Ms. Shannon. Well, please. Great to be with you. Let me start with this real quick, because I know there's lots of love stories and examples of love in the Bible. You're not going to come at me with love is love, are you, Shannon? <laughs> Listen, the thing I love about the Bible is if you look at the original Greek and Hebrew, I mean, they have so many more words for love than we do. And I do think in our society, we throw around love so easily, like I love Cheetos or whatever. <laughs> Um, it really is something deeper and much more special than that. And so looking at all the different forms of love in the Bible, um, I think really opened my eyes to all kinds. But there's really so much to our life that has to do with other kinds of love. The perfect love is agape, of course. That's the one expressed mm-hmm. by God Almighty uh, towards us. Uh, that unconditional love, the unfla- unflailing, unconditional love for us. And Likely the closest that we will ever get to understanding that love is the parental love for a child. Uh, mm-hmm. May not be you know reciprocated because the child still knew, needs to learn how to love, but it's the <laughs> it's the parental love for a child that is completely unconditional for those parents who love those their children that way. And I, I'm guessing you go out and flesh out the other forms of love that are expressed in Scripture. So just top of mind, like. Give me a couple of examples that, that come to your heart. Yeah, so we think about something like Jonathan and David, this relationship that was a friendship, that was a covenant friendship. It was something very deep and caused them both to be sort of radically unselfish about the way that they looked out for each other um, before and after death. I mean, Jonathan died before David did, and they had pledged themselves to take care of each other, their families, those kinds of things. So David goes out against all of the norms of the day. Once he'd become king, normally you would wipe out the family before you, so there would never be any heir that was trying to get to the throne. And Jonathan had been part of that. And so instead of wiping out Jonathan's family and anybody left, David says, who is left that I could serve, that I could help? And this child uh, who had become disabled of uh, Jonathan's over the years, in fact, when they were running to safety, David finds out about him and brings him into the kingdom, into the palace. He eats at his table as one of his sons. And so they just had a friendship that broke all kinds of norms and was very deep and abiding. And I think gives us a real look at um, our own friendships. I mean, studies show us now that people are so disconnected. We have very few 
close friendships. And for men, that's especially true. And I think COVID's kind of done a number on that kind of relationship too. So um, we're created for that and to have that. And, and it's a beautiful example between those two. So what got you started down this path to examine all the different examples of love in the Bible? What, what was it? You know, I got a call from Fox a few years ago who said, we're thinking about doing some books, and would you be interested? We know your faith is the priority in your life. Would you want to do something for women in faith? And I immediately said yes and felt like, gosh, what a blessing. So it came about during COVID, and it was just a good reminder to me of all God's promises and how he, he was working through really difficult circumstances and messy things and mistakes. And it was just such a gift to me. I thought, wow, what a blessing to do this. I hope that it resonates with other people the same way. And we've been so surprised at how people um, really just responded to these stories in such a beautiful way. And so we've kept the series going. And um, I just love hearing from people about what it's meant in their lives and hopefully has encouraged them and drawn them closer to God. From Fox News, Shannon Bream, and her book is The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. And on that topic of love, so differently expressed these days, and you see all many examples everywhere in social media. It's a different age that, that we are in. Did you touch on or just completely avoid the whole issue of the rainbow community, the homosexual community? And some will even grab and twist scriptures to excuse and, and uh, justify their lifestyle. Did you touch on that or did you avoid it altogether in your book? Well, no, we, we looked at things like, okay, let's start from the very original with Adam and Eve, the basis of what, you know, how God brought about Eve, what she was intended to be in Adam's life. And he noticed that Adam was missing her, that there was nothing, no helper, no partner for him. And really digging into that original language about what Eve was, what she meant, what her purpose was, um, I think just is a beautiful thing to remind people that she wasn't kind of this secondary sidekick sort of thing. The word easer is used, and so she's sort of a rescuer, a saver, um, this real partner with Adam, and, you know, God put them together with this purpose of them, you know, bringing about the world as we know it, and they went through really difficult, horrible things, um, but they clung to each other, and you see the fleshing out of her in that role, that easer role, where they walk through life together, and I think it's beautiful how God puts them in partnership and has that intention. Mm-hmm. And equal. Uh, they are the expression of human, human man, equal in God's eyes. All right. And just one man, one woman, uh, one woman, multiple marriages, one man, multiple marriages, or even, um, you know, various wives, you know, as, as was expressed in the Old Testament at one time. They, Well, hu- humankind. Yes. Lots of folks got off, got yeah, off track Got off there. the freeway real um, quick on that one, <laughs> real quick. Including, they got off track. Uh, and, and, Solomon. And yeah. certain. The thing that I think is, um, yeah, when you think about Solomon or David, I mean, that was never yeah. the ideal of what God had planned. And yet, he was still able to work through those situations and those relationships, too. Shannon, it's a pleasure. Continued success. Hey, I got to ask you before I let you go. I got to ask you, Shannon, because you're a great interviewer. You are among several in the team at Fox. Oh, really good interviewers. Please tell me that they considered you for the primetime weekday spot at one point to bring in people and just. Cut them to shreds. Please tell me they considered you at one point. <laughs> you know what? I love that I've done shows all over the place at Fox. I've done recordings and nights and weekends and overnights and was doing a late night show for five years. Um, but Fox News Sunday is my dream job, and I just right. feel so, so blessed. I kind of pinch myself every week. All right. You like working weekends. I got it. Blessings to you, Shannon. Thank you for joining us today. And with continued success, we'll look forward to your next book. Shannon Bream, 
the love stories of the Bible speak. Look for a book. This is The Sergio Show.